are listening to the Burnaby at Home program. Welcome to the Burnaby at Home program coming to you from beautiful Burnaby, BC. From the inlet to the Fraser home to Michael J. Fox, Deer Lake Park, and Simon Fraser University. To start us off properly, here is Zoe to deliver our Aboriginal acknowledgement. We would like to begin by acknowledging and thanking the Coast Salish nations of Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish on whose traditional territories we teach, learn, and live. Thank you, Zoe. I am Caitlin. And I am Lucas. And we are your hosts for this, the very first episode of the Burnaby at Home program. We have a very exciting show for you today, featuring an interview with Burnaby Mayor Mike Hurley and an Earth Day special. We are celebrating Earth Day by looking at earth, wind, and water. No, no, no. That is earth, wind, and fire. We are talking about earth, wind, and water. We will be looking at some of the environmental challenges that are threatening our future, including deforestation, pollution, and water waste. But we like to entertain as well as educate, so we will be sharing music, poetry, as well as a story. So sit back and get comfortable. We're kicking things off with our interview of, of the Burnaby Mayor, Mike Hurley. Hello, Mayor Hurley. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Hello, I'm Ryan. Ryan. I'm Ryan from Inman Elementary. What job did you want to do when you were our age, like in grade seven or high school? Well, I uh, I have to be honest. I always had a dream of being an airline pilot. That that was uh, kind of my dream. But then I got involved in 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 music and and things like that, and it took me a different direction. But at your age, certainly an airline pilot would have been, would have been uh, what I would have dreamt of being. Hi, hi Mayor Hurley, I'm Alexis. Um, my hi. question is, were you always interested in politics? Pardon me? Um, my question is, were you always interested in politics? Yes, I would say I have been because I, you know, um, I really believe it's the only way you can make a difference is to is to get out there and, and not necessarily run for politics, but but to pay attention uh, to what's going on because it is, especially at your age and a bit older, it's your future that we're all playing with here. So so everything we do is going to affect you. So I've always believed that it's important to be engaged in politics and to understand that everything that probably happens in, in our lives is affected in some ways by politics. Uh, so, so, yes, I, I've always been thought that it was important to be involved, engaged. Hello, Mayor Hurley. My name is Ariel. Hi. When did you start realizing you wanted to be mayor? I think in my last um, few years as a firefighter, um, you know, we were going to more and more calls for homeless people, people really struggling to eat, people with nowhere to sleep at night. Um, you know, it was really, I, I felt helpless at times. Uh, 
with with uh, little help out there and little help on the horizon for for people that are marginalized like that. So I would say in my last two years as a firefighter, I I started to consider, um, you know, how I can make a difference in our community and, and bring forward what I believe that most people in Burnaby want to look after those less fortunate. So I would say about two years prior to to running, that was when I decided I was going to put my name forward for mayor. Hello, Mayor Hurley. My name is Tiba, and my question to you is, what challenges did you incur while running for mayor? Well, the big challenge is always to get your name out there and, and to uh, let people know who you are and, and what you stand for. So I would say that's the biggest challenge um, is really getting people to know you, especially when you're running against someone who was around for a long time and he was a bit of a, a household name uh, for one reason or another. Um, so that the biggest challenge is just getting people to know who you are. Oh, hi, Mayor Hurley. My name is hi. Toby. And hi. what did it take to become the mayor? Pardon me? My question is, what, what did it take to become the mayor? What did it take to become mayor? Yes. Yeah, it took a lot of hard work and a lot of people working alongside me that believed in me. And, and I was fortunate to have a big team that worked alongside me um, to get out and knock on doors, to deliver flyers, to, to do all the things that uh, you need to to run a successful campaign. So I was very fortunate that I had a lot of people who believed in my leadership style and and how I would how I would go about uh, being mayor and, and how I would go about treating everyone fairly in society. So that that's the big thing is just hard work, uh, number one. But uh, having those people who truly believe in you as a person, uh, I think that that really is the key. Uh, hello, Mayor Hurley. Uh, my name is Ajay, and I'm from Suncrest Elementary. I have two questions for you. My first question is, how did your experience as a firefighter affect your bid for mayor? My second question is, why did you run as an independent in your election? Well, I'll answer the, the independent one first. Um, my true belief is that, is that the public is better served at the local level of government, which is the city government by independent, uh, independent candidates rather than party candidates uh, because it gives more individual thoughts sitting around the table and you're able to have better, cons uh, better uh, considerations to all issues and not taking the party uh, line into, into, your, into your discussions. Because for me, it's all about the people of Burnaby and what they want. And, and what they desire. Of course, you can't please everyone all the time, but uh, certainly from my perspective, I just believe that as a mayor, a mayor is better served being a, an independent rather than having to, to uh, run with party lines at, at, the, at this level of government. I would say it's, it's probably different at the provincial and, and federal levels, but I think it serves the public better having an independent mayor uh, because, you know, you're not tied to those issues. The, the, the first question was, how did being a firefighter um, 
I think being a firefighter, you, you, you develop a lot of, um, a lot of empathy for people, um, get to know the community really, really well. Um, and, and, and I think out of that empathy uh, and decision-making process, which is so important as a firefighter to make uh, the right decisions uh, in, a, in a limited amount of time and to not overreact to things, I think is some of the things I learned as being a firefighter is that, you know, sometimes you have to sit back and, and let things play out. So I think those are the things as a firefighter that would have helped me being mayor is first of all, the empathy piece, knowing the community and uh, knowing how to deal with very stressful situations. Thank you. Hello, Mayor Hurley. I'm Lucas Hello. from Nelson Elementary. And I have to ask, how did you feel the night of the election and did you expect to win? Um, I think in the last three weeks leading up to the election, I, I knew I, I had a good idea we were going to win uh, with the feedback and with, uh, you know, the way people were responding. So it's always a surprise and it's always a nice surprise when you win. But but the polling was telling us we're going to win and uh, and the reaction of people. So not totally surprised, but at the same time elated. Uh, when it comes to all the hard work that so many people have done on your behalf and all the many months of walking the streets and knocking on doors. So it was, um, it was a great feeling to know that people had, had recognized uh, the need for some change. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Hello, Mayor Hurley. I'm Alex from Lakeview Elementary. Thank yep. you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you making time for us in your schedule. Since the start of COVID, a lot has changed. For example, we are now studying online. What has been the biggest change for the government? And what has been the most challenging thing about COVID for Burnaby? Well, the, the most challenging thing is not meeting in person. And, um, you know, it's difficult. Um, you know, to not be able to get out because a big part of my, how I like to do things is when people call me, I like to go to their home and actually sit down and talk to them. So not being able to do that is really affected, uh, really affected um, everything that, that from my perspective, our government's been able to do. Of course, everything has slowed down and we're not able to, to move things as quickly as we would have liked to. For example, you know, the new ice rink is not going as quick as we would like. It's probably going to be six months behind. And then that puts all our other projects, you know, a long ways behind too. So everything gets pushed down the road. Um, the biggest challenge I would say has been our parks and, and looking after our parks and making sure that people stay safe. It's great to see people getting out and into our parks, but, uh, you know, that challenge for Deer Lake, for example, got really overcrowded. And, um, you know, just making sure that people stay safe, because really that's, that's the real important issue at this time. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Hello, Your Worship. My name is Caitlin. 
Hi, Before Earth Day, we have been learning a lot about the environment recently. What are some of the environmental challenges that Burnaby faces? Well, there, there are many, many challenges, um, you know, but, but I would say the one that we can make the, the biggest difference in is, is in our fleet. Uh, we have thousands of vehicles and uh, changing those over to uh, away from fossil fuels um, is, is going to be a real big challenge, not only an expensive challenge, but building the infrastructure that allows that to happen um, is, is going to be a monumental task, but it will make a huge, huge difference uh, to the GHGs, which are present in, in our communities and, you know, and buildings as well, just how we're going to manage uh, ensuring that buildings are as efficient as possible. Uh, and of course, the, the, the pipeline is, is uh, at Kinder Morgan or Trans Mountain, as it's called now, is a huge uh, environmental challenge uh, for us as we move forward too. So there are many, many challenges, but I'm looking forward to taking those challenges on and ensuring that we're doing all we can do within the city to uh, cut down on GHGs, um, to ensure what we're doing, everything that we can possibly do to uh, have a great future for you guys as, as you grow up. Thank you. And can you please tell us a little about some of the programs that Burnaby is working on to deal with pollution and climate change? Yes, yeah, so we're working on, on many programs like our, um, as I said about our, our changing over our vehicles, our, our, our infrastructure on our buildings. We're bringing in new building codes to ensure that, that those buildings are built to the highest possible standards for environment. Those are two of the biggest areas uh, within our power that we can possibly do. We're looking at bringing in new heating sources uh, and bringing that to different buildings so that, uh, you know, heating sources that, that are envir as environmentally friendly as possible and encouraging people to change how they live at home. So, so it, it's a real big environmental plan. I can send you our, um, our environmental um, plans that are going on with, with which are many. Um, so we're doing everything we can and, and doing it as quickly as possible uh, so that we're uh, carbon neutral hopefully by 2040 and I would really like to do it quicker than that so so um, it, it's a challenge but I, I'm just one that we can meet thank you your worship thank you uh, hello mayor Hurley it's me again Ajay uh, yeah. Like you said, part of your promise in the last election was to make housing more affordable. And how much progress have you made in the housing crisis in Burnaby? Uh, we're making uh, great pro uh, progress. Um, right now, we have about 800 units that are below market, uh, below market rentals coming on stream within the next year. And uh, we have about 2,800 more and the pipeline uh, that uh, are all going to be below market uh, rental homes. It takes a long time to to turn it around. Um, you know, you just don't build apartment buildings overnight, but we are going in the right direction. We have really engaged the community in what they want to see in housing, in family housing and seniors housing and uh, 
And um, so, you know, I'm very, very determined that we will live up to those promises. And, and I know we've, we've made some very good starts. Thank you. Thank you. Um, is it difficult having lots of responsibilities? Well, it, it's challenging at times uh, with, with the responsibilities, but as it's uh, firefighting has trained me well for that is that, uh, is that, uh, you know, we use our staff. We've got a fantastic staff uh, that, that uh, look after many things. And, and while I'm in a decision-making role, I'm certainly not doing everything every day. That's uh, mostly handled by our staff, but yeah, it's a responsibility, but it's one that, um, it's one that, uh, you know, I take seriously, but at the same time, realistically too, and, and try to surround myself with the best people I can find so that we're making those, the right decisions on behalf of our residents. Hello, Mr. Hur uh, Mayor Hurley. Um, yeah, my I name is Zoe, and it's really nice to meet you. I wanted to know, since you have a lot of responsibilities as a politician, what do you like to do on your spare time? Well, I, I, I love to go to my, my family's hockey games and, and, uh, and, and be with my kids. Um, that's my favorite thing to do and my wife. But I, I do play music, and uh, so I do enjoy getting out uh playing blues music and in any type of music that that I can. So that's my pastime now, I would say, is, is, is more as a musician. So I really enjoy that. Thank you so much for taking the time to answer our questions this afternoon. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. We are so fortunate to have such a thoughtful and caring person leading our city. Agreed, and I really appreciate him taking the time to meet us. But speaking of time, it is time to get on with our show. Now, we are turning our attention to the unpleasant topic of deforestation. Are you talking about Ferry Creek on Vancouver Island? Well, Ferry Creek is just one example of a problem that is taking place all over the world. To explain, we have a question and answer presentation by our Earth researchers. Have a listen. Yeah. All right. Hello, I welcome you to the Burnaby at Home podcast. Our Earth Day episode today is going to be about deforestation, what it is and how it is affecting the Earth. Our first question comes from Dan. What is deforestation? Deforestation, also known as clearance, clear cutting, or clearing, happens when people cut down forests and turn it into farms, houses, and other industrial uses. Deforestation mostly occurs in tropical rainforests like the Amazon. Why is deforestation significant? Why is it important? And how does it relate to climate change? This is a great question, Ariel. Deforestation accounts for 1.5 billion tons of carbon dioxide and in the atmosphere, which is 20% of all emissions. It seems incredible that just by 
ceasing to cut down a few trees, we can reduce our greenhouse gas emission by 20% and make a big difference. Our next question, once again, comes from Ariel about how we can help to end deforestation. What can we do to help and end deforestation? If you can, plant a tree. Trees are our most convenient weapon against climate change. Do your best to save paper and do work on the computer. Forests are burned every day in the Amazon, planting palm oil trees. Do not support this. Help the environment by not using palm oil products. Also remember the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. This is by far the easiest way to help and there's no reason not to do this. Our next question about trees and what would happen without them comes from Luis. What would happen without trees? Without, without trees and roots to hold so, soil together, erosion would quickly occur and heavy rains would easily wash the soil away. The soil would also be full of dangerous chemicals and pollutants that are normally filtered by trees. So attempting to grow anything on earth would pr prove difficult. Without the ability to grow anything, we cannot grow food to eat. Therefore, we, we will all die. Our last question of the episode comes from Dan. What is the deforestation problem like in BC? B BC's deforestation problem is not too bad compared to other countries, but we can do better. Around 60% of BC is forested land. Only one third of 1% of forested land, which is roughly 600,000 square kilometers in total, is harvested each year. This means we're cutting down 500 Stanley Parks each year, which isn't great, but it is hard to ask BC to do a better job. As the logging industry is so crucial to its economy, it generates about $12.9 billion per year, year, which I get is extremely important. Thank you for listening to the Burnaby at Home podcast. Wow, that was very informative. It sure was. It's important that we don't take our forests for granted. Next up, we will present a poem from our neighbors to the south. America's poet laureate, Amanda Gorman, with her poem, Earthrise. On Christmas Eve, 1968, astronaut Bill Anders snapped a photo of the Earth as Apollo 8 orbited the moon. Those three guys were surprised to see from their eyes a planet looked like an Earthrise, a blue orb hovering over the moon's gray horizon with deep oceans and silver skies. It was our world's first glance at itself, our first chance to see a shared reality, a declared stance, and a commonality, a glimpse into our planet's mirror. And as threats drew nearer, our own urgency 
became clearer as we realized that we hold nothing dearer than this floating body we all call home. We've known that we're caught in the throes of climactic changes some say will just go away while some simply pray to survive another day. For it is the obscure, the oppressed, the poor who when the disaster is declared done still suffer more than anyone. Climate change is the single greatest challenge of our time. Of this you're certainly aware, it's saddening, but I cannot spare you from knowing an inconvenient fact because it's getting the facts straight that gets us to act and not to wait. So I tell you this not to scare you, but to prepare you, to dare you to dream a different reality where despite disparities, we all care to protect this world, this riddled blue marvel, this little true marvel to master the verve in the nerve to see how we can serve our planet. You don't need to be a politician to make it your mission to conserve, to protect, to preserve that one and only home that is ours to use your unique power to give next generations the planet they deserve. We are demonstrating, creating, advocating. We heed this inconvenient truth because we need to be anything but lenient with the future of our youth. And while this is a training and sustaining the future of our planet, there is no rehearsal. The time is now, 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 because the reversal of harm and protection of a future so universal should be anything but controversial. So, Earth, pale blue dots we will fail you not just as we chose to go to the moon we know it's never too soon to choose hope we choose to do more than cope with climate change we choose to end it we refuse to lose we do this and more not because it's very easy or nice but because it is necessary because with every dawn we carry the weights of the fates of this celestial body orbiting a star and as heavy as that weight sounded it doesn't hold us down but it keeps us grounded steady ready because an environmental movement of this size is simply another form of an earth rise to see it close your eyes visualize that all of us in this room and outside of these walls or in these halls, all of us change makers are in a spacecraft floating like a silver raft in space and we see the face of a planet anew. We relish the view, we witness its round green and brilliant blue which inspires us to ask deeply, wholly, what can we do? Open your eyes, know the future of this wise planet is right in sight, right in all of us. Trust this earth uprising, all of us bring light to exciting solutions never tried before, for it is our hope that implores us at our uncompromising core to keep rising up for an earth more than worth fighting for. Can you believe she wrote that when she was only 19 years old? She is really amazing. You know what else is pretty amazing? What? The ignorance of some people when it comes to protecting our atmosphere. They don't seem to realize the importance of stopping pollution. Here is our air group with a skit about ignorance. Pollution doesn't exist. If I can't see it, I won't believe it.
We can't see toxic gases. If I can't see it, I won't believe it. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's fake. Scientists have studied the air. The dangers of polluted air also affect our lungs as well as the earth. Hello, what are you people talking about? It sounds so exciting. It's about pollution and why the air is important. These people don't know anything about pollution and why it's harmful for us and the environment. Oh, all right. Prove that pollution is Yes, prove it. Okay, I'll loan you a 200-page textbook on the air and pollution later. Hey, that's not enough pages. Yeah, they need to read a huge novel about pollution and literally air so that they will learn something that they clearly don't know about. Okay, let's calm down. Let me explain what pollution is. Only children believe in pollution. Aren't you a child? Exactly! No! Pollution is basically when small particles get in the air, and if you constantly breathe the particles in, eventually your lungs and other organs will probably be damaged and they can even fail, and sometimes you can even die from it. You're just a reporter. How would you know? You're just a kid. How would you know? What are tiny particles? Let me explain. Tiny particles are, as the name suggests, microscopic pieces of matter which are made of atoms and other things. Why don't these people understand? If only they would. Okay, I'll let my friend lecture you, you guys on air. Air is important because it's one of the two main things that keep living things alive. It also supplies blood with oxygen. That creates energy for the body. And if there isn't any oxygen in the blood, You'll have no energy, and you'll die. See, pollution is a big problem, and we need to fix the pollution problem by getting more filters on factory smokestacks. And stop throwing plastic in the ocean and plant more trees to remove carbon dioxide from the air. Okay, uh, I have to go to go live on BBC headquarters. Uh, good luck with your argument. I'm, s I'm sorry, this was way too much for my brain to handle. Well, that was pretty funny. I think you mean silly. Maybe a little of both? I agree. You know what isn't so silly? What? Sewage. There's nothing more, more serious, serious than sewage. Here's our water group to explain. Hey, where can you find an ocean with no water? I don't know. Where? On a map? Haha. <laughs> okay, moving on to our facts about water. Okay, Toby, can you tell us some interesting facts about water? Sure. After the water from our sinks are used, the water goes down a water wastewater pipe, which then gets transported to an underground system of pipes and then leads to water treatment plant. Mm-hmm. Before wastewater is reused and put back into bodies of water, it gets cleaned and made sterile in a water treatment plant. Hmm, interesting. But how is water cleaned? So the wastewater flows through the sewers and gets filtered and cleaned from large objects. Then the water flows into tanks where air and chemicals are added to the water to thoroughly clean it. 
Wow, what interesting information. But sometimes the filters and chemicals do not clean everything, and this can cause problems in the environment. So how do we know if the water is safe or not? Scientists do water quality testing. They test for a chemical called phosphate. It can enter from water fertilizers, which usually comes from farmers and gardeners who use phosphate to help plants grow. But plants may not use all of it, causing the un sometimes unsafe water. Very cool. I didn't know that about water quality testing. Let's move on to the last set of information about oil spills. When oil spills into water, it can harm the living things in the aquatic ecosystem. Scientists can try to remove it by soaking it up, releasing bacteria or chemicals to break down the oil. And this concludes our water section of the podcast. We are just about done. But before we go, here's a message from our sponsor, Ecosia. Wait, we have a sponsor? Just pretend. It's a really cool search engine. Just listen to the commercial. Hey, have you heard of Ecosia? What? Ecosia, it plants trees every 35 times you do a search on their search engine. Nah, it's just probably just a scam. They they're probably are doing it for the money. No, they offer a full transparency and always let people know what they're doing. Really? Are you sure? Yeah, just go on their websites and see. It's org. Okay, but my they might sell my data just like Google. I still think this is a scam, and Google is way more reliable. Just go on the website. They will give you information about them. Information about themselves. Okay, sure. I will check it out. Planting trees without any effort sounds like a great idea. You can also help too. Just use Escocia instead of Google. Go to escocia.org and start researching and start searching the right way. I know what I'll be using the next time I want to look something up. Me too. Finally, no at-home program would be complete without a story. Here's Nima with The Best Nest. Hello everyone, today I'm going to be reading you a story called The Best Nest. Long ago, when the world was young, only the magpie knew how to build a nest. Her nest was large and so well built that her babies were kept safe. All the other birds lay their eggs here and there, on the ground, in a hollow log, or in a tree crotch. Their eggs were often stolen or lost, and the baby birds that did hatch were not safe from their enemies. Poor baby birds! This made the mother birds very sad. One day, a mother bird said to her friend, Let's ask Maggie Magpie how to show us how to build a nest. So off they went to the magpie and said, We know how clever you are and that you have a strong nest to hold your eggs and protect your babies. We want to learn how to build a nest just like yours. Then our eggs and chicks will be safe too. Won't you please teach us? Maggie puffed up her feathers. I'll be glad to. At once she flew about busily collecting materials, twittering and chirping. 
The other birds arranged themselves on the ground so they could see and hear. Maggie perched herself. Maggie perched herself on a grassy mound and carefully smoothened smoothened the feathers in her beautiful in her beautiful long tail. She waited until the birds stopped their chattering. First of all, she began, "You must find a hollow space that is is the right spot." Size, a hollow space. That's easy," exclaimed the killdeer, lifting its head to show its sparkling black and white collar. Away it went, and the killdeer still lays its eggs in a hollow space on the ground. Pooh! Who needs to build a nest? Whispered the whip, poor will, to to the screech owl. Why not just gather leaves and lay our eggs on the ground? The whip poor will with whirring wings flew away. The screech owl nodded wisely. Hoo hoo indeed. Or we can just use holes in trees. Shh, we can't hear. Scoiled the birds near them. While Maggie waited for her class to settle down. The screech owl flew off to find a tree hollow. Maggie looked round to make sure the remaining birds were listening. Next, you take some mud from an inside wall and place several twigs in it. Oh, I see! Cried the blackbird, and she scurried away with a twig in her beak to look for a dab of mud. To this day, that's how blackbirds build their nests. But wait, we aren't finished," cried the frustrated magpie. "But don't you want to learn?" With a deep sigh, she turned back to her class. "Then you make an outer wall of weeds or chorus grass." The starling flapped her wings excitedly. "Excitedly, I can do that! I can do that!" Away she flew to make her sloppy nest. Trying to hide her annoyance, the magpie patted down a layer of mud. Even before she could, she could explain the step. The crackle hurried off away, away, saying, "Oh, that's very cozy." Maggie reminded her, "You must weave in more twigs or sticks to make sure the nest is strong." Twigs and sticks, twigs and sticks. That's good enough for me. Wardable. War Beldy the meadow lark as it warbled the meadow lark as it flew away, and the meadow lark built a simple but sturdy nest to this day. Maggie took some feathers to use as linings. These will make your nest cozier. Oh yes, nodded the robin. That's perfect. As she flucked her tail and flew off to build her nest. Each time the magpie added something or explained a step, another another bird would leave, not waiting for the lesson to finish. Maggie kept on teaching, but her voice became a bit shriller, her scowl a little deeper. Finally, she stopped to see if anyone had questions, but only two birds were left: the oral and a silly dove. Who hadn't been listening? The dove cooed softly. Take two, take two. 
The magpie laid a twig in place and said, No one is enough. No, no is enough. No one is enough. But the dove repeated, Take two, take two. I told you, one is enough, insisted Maggie. The dove flapped her wings noisily and glided away, murmuring, Take two, take two. At last, the magpie could stand no more. Angrily, she flew away, and never again would she agree to teach the birds how to build nests. But the oral had listened carefully. She kept working and singing as she built a nest that was strong and beautiful. At last, at least as beautiful as the magpies. And now you know why each bird builds its nest differently from each every other bird. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Bye! Thanks for listening to our first ever at-home program. We hope you enjoyed our show. Look for episode two coming very soon. I'm Caitlin. And I am Lucas. Remember, it's a wonderful world. We need to take care of it. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white. The bright blessed day, the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow. So pretty in the sky Are also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying how do you do They're really saying I love you I hear babies cry much more than I never knew, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world, yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world.